Today, Rashad will be continuing our series on reimagining rest. Our scripture reading today is from Genesis 3, verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. This is the word of the Lord. Hey, good morning. That was a short reading, right? <laughs> oh, you think it's going to be a short sermon, don't you? Uh, I've been preaching a few weeks. I'll be preaching at the dinner table. Um, <laughs> they're in the middle of a game just because I got, got stuff to say. So I <laughs> hope you're ready. No, I'm joking. I'm not joking. I'm serious. I'm excited. I'm excited to preach God's words today. Um, let me pray for our time. Father, thank you for your word, that it's alive, that it's active, um, that it's bread, nourishment, and, um, and life. So we pray for um, your word to fall on good soil and, um, yeah, meet with us today. Reveal yourself to us, your church, your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, happy Father's Day to biological dads, spiritual dads, mentors. This is your day. Shout out to you. Um, use it all up because tomorrow things go back to normal. Okay. <laughs> um, as, we com- <laughs> Sorry. as we continue our, our series on rest, I want today to, um, to steer our attention to our why. And when I say why, what I'm saying is getting back to what we were made for. Shortly after God created Adam, he creates Eve. Why does God create Eve for human connection? Because we were made for community. God said it's not good to be alone. I remember as a kid, I was the only kid for the first seven years of my life. And during that time, I'd be like, I want a sibling, I want a sibling, I want a sibling. Because it's lonely playing with these toys by myself, watching these shows by myself. I want someone to play with. I want someone to go through childhood with together. So my parents bought me a bird, okay? <laughs> and, um, and so I had this bird, and I started to terrorize the bird. And my parents gave the bird away to my cousin. Um, and then a few years later, I had a sister, and I terrorized her. But they kept her. They kept her. They kept her. They didn't get rid of her. <laughs> and so... Another, another thing that God does in this creation is count is not just surround Adam in, with community, with ease, some, something with Eve, something else that God does in this account that I think can be easily overlooked. God frequented his children. See, God didn't have children and just leave them abandoned and say, okay, just stay on earth and good luck and I'll see you later. He frequents them. He visits them. In our, in our passage, it says this, and I know it's short, but there's a lot in this passage. It says, they heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. See, here's what Eden represented. Eden was the meeting place. It was, it was the intersection of heaven and earth between God and humans. It's because we were made for communion with God. In the book, 
not the way it's supposed to be. Cornelius Plantega describes creation account as a picture of peace. And peace goes by the word shalom in the Bible, which roughly, roughly, which he roughly translates the way it's supposed to be. Whoever says that phrase, whoever watches the news and goes, that's not the way it's supposed to be, or watches LeBron play and go, that's the way it's supposed to be. Man, that's beauty. That's artistry. I'm sorry. I'm just joking. <laughs> but right, you see something and it's done right and there's something within you that goes, that's the way it's supposed to be. Or you see something that feels out of place and disjointed and you go, that's not how it's supposed to be. And we go through this creation account and God puts in this community and he puts in this communion between God and Adam and Eve. And what he's saying when he says it's good, he's saying, this is how it's supposed to be. Are you with me? All right. I got one with me. Okay. I'm going to try to get the rest to you soon. Um, so the, in other words, when we see this picture, this was God's intention. He intended for humans to have fulfilling and flourishing relationships with one another and with God. And I don't know about you, but there's something deep within me that says, I want that too. I want to experience life the way it's supposed to be. There's a deep desire in me to have deeper connection to life. Does anybody here desire that? Okay, I got one still. Okay. Um, a, con- who, a connection with God where experience in his peace and shalom. We all want that. We read these stuff and we, we read devotion. We go, oh, man, I want that. I want that with God. And then here's the thing. Life is full and busy and messy. And if I look at some of your calendars, we're like, man, guy, I need this to happen a lot easier than it is. God, I have a small window of time. Can you show up now? Can you show up now in your fullness? Ian Bounds, he's written nine, prayer, nine books on prayer, and he says this. I think Christians fail so often to get answers to their prayers because they do not wait long enough on God. They just drop down, say a few words, then jump up, forget it, and expect God, and expect God to answer them. Such praying always reminds me of the small boy who ringing his neighbor's doorbell, and then running away as fast as he can go. If you've been a human long enough, you know this. Connection takes time. Connection takes time. Connection takes intentionality. And connection requires our heart's availability. Because connection with one another, connection with God happens from the inside out. Who here remembers the movie Bruce Almighty? Okay, yeah, we're dating ourselves, some of us. Um, um, And so Bruce Almighty, if you don't know, it's Jim Carrey, and he's complaining about how God's running the world, and he gets an opportunity to to harness God's power for a season. And so Jim Carrey is harnessing the power of God, and he has a breakup, and he's trying to get his ex back, and he tries to command her to love him. Love me, love me. Um, And it, and it it doesn't work. And what he realizes is what he needs more than a promotion, fame, power, and money is connection. When we realize what we're made of and we feel the the distance between actually experiencing it, it can be frustrating, right? Sometimes when you hear other people talk about their relationship with God, you're just like, oh, man, just forget it. I'm never going to have that. 
I think when we think about connecting with God, we can go, this just seems too elusive. God is just too slippery, and he doesn't really want to be found, and I'm trying, and it's just there's nothing happening. Or you're just like, I'm not spiritual enough. Or we talk about connecting with God. Well, if God really knew me, if God really got close to me and he saw really how I am, maybe he wouldn't want that connection with me. So in this, in this story, we have, we have a serpent. And this serpent is speaking to Adam and Eve. And here's, a, here's two things. The serpent's objective, to drive people away from God. The serpent's strategy to plant lies in our head about what God thinks about us. Connection is about drawing close to God, that God is the source of abundant life. Jesus said in in John 15 that he is the vine and that we are the branches, that he is the source of life for human flourishing. You with me? Okay, all right, I couldn't tell. All right. Um, listen, it's, uh, it's Father's Day, and I, and I know many of us relate to this day differently, but I just want to say this personally as a father. The last thing that I want my kids to do is distance themselves from me. Listen, if you, if you want to break God's heart, don't spend quality time with him. The, the secret to real soul-level rest is sitting at the feet of Jesus. There's these two women in the Bible, Mary and Martha, and Jesus comes over to their house to, to visit them. And Martha is, is running around trying to, to prepare everything and, and clean the house. And, and Mary is just sitting at Jesus' feet. And Martha's complaining like, Lord, tell her to get up and do something. And Jesus says, few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. In other words, Jesus is saying Mary has chosen the right thing because I'm here with you right now and she's sitting at my feet. I don't, I don't know what your church background is or what your conclusion, conclusion is on, what you've, on where you've landed on how God feels about you. But I just want to say this when I read the scriptures that I know this, that God desperately wants you to know him. God desperately wants you to experience his presence. Here in, here in Genesis, we, 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 we run across a story where Adam and Eve, they, they missed the mark. That God tells them, don't do something, and they do it. And they're, and they're feeling condemned. They're feeling shame. They're feeling all the emotions. But what I want you to catch in this short verse is God's action. That God still shows up to meet with them. God shows up in the garden to meet with his people in their worst moments. And it says previously in verse 7 that after they ate the fruit, that they, they, they realized that they, they were naked and they try to cover themselves. And what they're doing is saying, I don't want God to see me as I am. I don't want God to see the state that I'm in right now. If God sees me the way I am right now, he won't want me. He will be disappointed in me. See, when we talk about reimagining rest, some of us might need to reimagine how God views you. 
If you view yourself and you see yourself as the worst thing you've ever done, and you put that on God, that God sees you as the worst thing that you've ever done, you will not only distance yourself from God, you will distance yourself from people in life that God's put around you. What we're talking about here is the relationship and the connection with God. And if you can't experience God's embrace if you're too ashamed to let God see you as you truly are. Because if you're too ashamed for God to see you as you truly are, you won't allow him to embrace you. You with me? The story says in verse 8 that they hid from God. So when I, when I was a teenager, my, my mom let me drive the car, mostly out of necessity because we just, she needed me to drive and take my sister to daycare. Um, but she let me go out one night. And I took, the, I took the little Hyundai hatchback on a little, little, little road trip around the block. And um, I wasn't a great driver yet. I am now. I wasn't a great driver yet. And I um, got a little fender bender. And um, when I got in that fender bender, here's the thing. I tried to come home and hide it. And this is a vehicle, people. <laughs> I tried to come home and hide it. And I tried to hide from my mom. And I mean, here's, here's, what, here's what makes it hard because I had it good. I had a great opportunity to have a vehicle and I blew it and it was too much to handle. It was too much to face. So I tried to, to dodge her and do little things on the side to show that I'm good. And I tried to stay busy, distracted, and distant. And I think we often do this with God. And, and when we try to dodge God or stay out of the way or don't let him in close, that's actually worse than the thing that you're trying to avoid him seeing. Man, some of you didn't really, really, not really hear me and maybe we're going to go back and hear the podcast. I'm just, so let me give you a practical example. My kids, they did something. They didn't do their homework or they got in trouble in class or they try to dodge me and don't spend time with me. And I want to say, that's worse than just telling me what you did because we missed time together. And so the thing that they did, they're trying to hide from God, is, is worse than the thing that they actually did because they're not spending time with God and they're not experiencing his healing and his approval and his acceptance and his embrace where he wants to bring them in and redeem their lives and say, I want you to know me more than anything else. They hid themselves. When our hearts condemn us, we will shrink from intimacy if we believe our relationship with God is conditional, we will hide. We will distance ourselves. We will try to do what's right only to avoid punishment and never really experience God's rest. Jesus says, you know this in Matthew 11, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. He says, you will find rest for your souls. He says, come to me. He didn't give them a list of things to do. He said, come to me. You will find rest. You're all, we're all looking for something. We're all looking for our why. We're all looking for what's the thing that makes us human. What are we made for? We're all looking for. Jesus says, come to me. The writer of the book of Hebrews talks about entering God's rest. 
over and over again of entering God's rest. And the thing that he says that will keep you from entering God's rest is if you harden your hearts. Because entering into God's rest is about connection. It's not about a physical location or going through the motions of religion. It's about the posture of our heart. St. Augustine says this, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. God loves you. God wants you to experience his presence. God wants you to be rooted in his love. Jesus said that again, John 15, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. It's, it's wild to think, especially those of us that have been in church for a while, that all that we know about God, all that we've been taught about is grace, when we go through something that we often, like, ev- evade spending time with God. Like, we, we go through something and go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull myself out of community. I'm going to do devotions less. I'm going to talk to God less. And it, it's, a, it's a weird thing when God is, like, actually, when you're going through something, actually, when you feel like you're spent or you're at your margin, that's actually the time where you need me most. I can always tell. Parents have this sense, this sixth sense with their kids. I can always tell when my kids, when something else has their attention. Because they, they distance themselves even though we're in the same house. Even though we're in the same thousand square feet. They, just, they find a way to distance themselves. And I go, hey guys, what's up with you? Where are you? And I'm saying, let's spend time together. God does this when he enters the garden. He says, where are you? It's, it's, it's rhetorical. He knows where they are. It's not like, I see you right there. You know, like, I know where you are. He's saying, but where are you? He's saying, don't you realize how far you are from me, even though we're in the same garden? But don't you also realize that I'm right here and that I didn't walk away from you? Don't you realize that you still have an opportunity to interact with me? He says, where are you? God is initiating a conversation. I wonder if God is looking for any of you today. I wonder if God is saying, where, where are you? What's, what's, what's caused you to distance yourself? Don't let shame, remorse, fear, guilt, inadequacies cause you to distance yourself from God. Here's the phrase that I, I want us all to say over and over again and adopt. No matter where we find ourselves to God, say this. You're welcome here. Because this is pretty much the progression of most of the Psalms. Why me? This is hard. I don't want to. But you've been faithful. Wait a minute. You are good. Oh, my heart is yours. Psalm 139, the psalmist realizes this, that God doesn't give up on us. Man, what if we got that? What God doesn't give up on us. He says, how precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. 
even in your hiding, God is saying, I'm with you. Even in your hiding, God is saying, let me be your hiding place. Let me be your refuge. Where are you? Don't you know that you were made for me and I for you? Church, make God your hiding place. Over and over in the psalm, Psalm 31, you hid them in the secret place of your presence. You conceal them in your shelter. Psalm 91, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I wish I had some people in here that was catching, like, the word of God right now. They're like, man, I... <laughs> no, all right, okay. I don't know. I read these things. I'm just like, oh, man, yes, Lord, you can be my refuge, that I can go to you, that you will hide me, and you will, you will rescue me, like... Have you ever had people come after you and God say, I got you. I'm your strong tower. I'm with you. I didn't want you to run away from me. I wanted you to run towards me. I can tell you what you were made for, but you have to answer the question, do you want it? Do you want God to do stuff for you or do you want God? David says in Psalm 24, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and seek him in his temple. So back to our passage. It says that God comes in the cool of the evening. That word cool is the Hebrew word ruach, which means spirit or wind. And one commentator says this, this may mean that it is intended to evoke the unmistakable power of God's presence. That when God shows up in the cool and he walks in the garden, he wants Adam and Eve to know that he is with them in an unmistakable way. Church, when we talk about connecting with God, when we talk about resting in God, here's what God wants. He wants us to be a people that are marked from being with him. He wants us to be a people that are marked from being in his presence. When God created the garden, he created an environment where we can meet with him. And God has been creating and cultivating environments for us to meet with him all through the scriptures. And it culminates in Revelation where he is in the middle of the life of the people of God. He creates a temple. Why? So we can meet with him. Jesus comes and makes his place here on earth. Why? So we can meet with him. He says, man, you want to know the secret to life? Lock the door. Get away with God. Talk to him. And what you do in private and in secret, God rewards openly. A.W. Tozer, he, he is a pastor and author of Pursuit of God. He says this, I want the presence of God himself, or I don't want at anything at all to do with religion. I want all that God has, or I don't want any. Psalm 84, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Do you have a place? Do you, do you have a place where you can create an environment to meet with God? And here's the thing, God will make every provision and way for you to meet with him. And Adam and Eve's worst, God creates covering for them. God will create environments for you to meet with him in unlikely places and seasons of your life. 
But will you take, will you stop and take off your sandals? So I'll end with the story of Moses. Moses, you guys know this, you've seen the show, The Prince of Egypt, right? And he, <laughs> he was raised to be a, a kingly person, a prince, and um, he kills an Egyptian and for injustice, and he's on the run, and he's, he's serving his father-in-law out in, out in nowhere, and um, he sees a bush on fire. Verse Exodus 3 says this, There the angels of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within the bush. Moses saw that the bush was on fire and it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange light, why the bush doesn't burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Moses takes off sandals. God tells him he's on holy ground. Moses is in a space, an intersection between heaven and earth, and his encounter with God changes his life forever. God wants us to be a people that are marked by his presence because we spend time with him, because we're willing, because when he calls our name, we say, here I am. Man, you, you know my past. You know what I've just done, but if you call my name, here I am. If you tell me to come closer to the bush, I'll take off my sandals and I will come. I believe God invites us to rest because he wants us to know the way things are supposed to be. In the garden with a God who shows up in the cool of the day to meet with you, to give you rest. Amen? Amen. We pray for us. Father, thank you for, thank you for your word.